Hey, welcome to Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Thank you so much for being with me today. I have a very special episode because I have a very special guest today. The man next to me is Pastor D.G. Hargrove. Pastor, thank you so much for being with me today. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to talk about something that I think is a bit of a challenge for most dads, probably everyone, but dads in particular. We're going to talk about letting go today. And I don't mean the song, Let It Go from Frozen. I know that's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day, especially dads. But we're talking about letting go. And we'll get into detail with that in just a moment. Um, Before we dive into this, let me go ahead and ask you to subscribe to this podcast and share it. You don't want to keep great content like this to yourself. So share it with other people in your community and your network and pass it on to another dad, because today's episode for sure is definitely going to be a blessing, and you're going to want this insight to be shared amongst your dad friends. Also be a part of the community of Father in Our Future on social media. Connect to us, check us out. The Dad's Only group is on Facebook, and there we'll have some exclusive content with Pastor Hargrove, and you don't want to miss that. So, uh, Pastor Hargrove, I had you on here not just because you've been a pastor for longer than I've been alive, but uh, I know you're very well-read, very well-educated. I'll tell a little bit of the stuff he's uncomfortable to because he really is a humble individual. Uh, So humble, in fact, I bought him a shirt years ago. He preached a sermon, and I bought him a shirt that said, glad to be humble, because he used it. He used it. And so for the evening service, I had it sitting on his chair when he walked in, and it was... It was it was a good laugh, oh, but God. he has his undergrad in psychology. His master's is in clinical counseling. He is a licensed counselor on both the American and the National Association for Counselors. He he's a great guy. So he is knowledgeable about people, about interactions, and he also has the experience of interacting with people as a pastor and working with people as a counselor. Still, and on top of that, he's a dad. Yeah. And and that's important. So he's got the life experience of, hey, I've been there, I've done that, and he's done it through just about every phase of fatherhood. His kids are old and grown now, and they have families of their own, and I think he's going to be a great voice for dads on the topic of letting go. So I've told the stuff you don't like to tell, so I'll let you tell the <laughs> stuff right. you do like to tell. So give us just a little bit of the detail of your life, how long uh, you've been married, kids, how old they are, all that fun stuff. All right. Well, I have been happily married going on 45 years this year, (laughs) and and it's been a great journey, a great journey. I've got the best wife in the whole wide world. She's a wonderful lady. I have two children. I have a girl and a a boy. Uh, They're both married. Uh, They're in their 40s, and I have grandchildren, and I have great-grandchildren. Really dating yourself. Oh, yeah. Here we go, man. <laughs> hey, when you marry at 12, you know, yeah, it, yeah, this yeah. happens awfully quick. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's, uh, I've been pastoring uh, the same church now for 31 years, yep. and uh, I've been in the ministry for 40 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So great family, great experience, and you've lived a pretty great life so far. It's been fantastic. And hopefully... Many more decades to come, too. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're talking about letting go today. Um, I think I stumbled upon this as a young dad, which I think most young dads probably don't catch this, but the idea that we are constantly in a state of change as fathers where we're having to let go. So I equate this analogy to my kids. Um, when they're born, they're babies, and their rooms have always been upstairs. So as a baby, I always had to carry them upstairs. I had to bring them. They had to be in my control fully to get up the stairs. Well, then they start to learn how to crawl. 
and they see the stairs and they want to climb the stairs themselves. And it's just like, no, you can't do that because you will fall. <laughs> so you still carry them. And then eventually you let them give it a shot, but you're right there close with your hands right on their back so that they don't fall. And eventually they start walking and then they're holding your hand up the stairs and then they realize I can hold the rail and then eventually they're just running and you're trying to catch up to them. But this entire process of change, I'm letting go. It was, I have full control, I'm holding on to them and now it's every once in a while they'll hold my hand up the stairs. And I think as young dads, we don't usually catch this because it's nice to let go because it typically means I'm not changing any more diapers. <laughs> I mean, my son Frankie is five and I don't have to change his diaper. Every so often, he'll need some assistance in the restroom. And you know, if it's once a month, it's much better than four diapers a day. So we don't really catch it as young dads because we enjoy having to let go. But I think it really starts to hit dads in the face when their kids are preteens, 16 to 18, getting ready to graduate. They're independent. They're smarter now. They have some life experience and they're ready to make decisions of their own. And that can be where the tension arises. At least that's my imagination. Now, you don't have to divulge any, any details, but were there ever times with your kids growing up where you had that fatherly impulse to say, this is a bad decision. I need to step in. I mean, is that, is that a reality? It is definitely a reality. <laughs> uh, nobody loves those kids like a father and a mother. Sure. And so they are looking out for their best interest. Yeah. They are the number one people looking out for their best interest. And so if there's something coming up on the radar that is going to damage or, or in, in, impair their life, you're definitely want to go and get involved. That's a natural proclivity. Sure. And uh, but should we get involved? That's the question. Yeah. yeah, and that and that's and that's what I want to get into discussion with because we have to let go. It is a part of fatherhood and it's a difficult part because I just think as individuals um, in general, especially as dads though, we like to have control of things. We like to know what we have yeah. and we don't like to relinquish that. And we have to. If we're going to be yeah. good dads, we have to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not just that it's, yeah, I can only imagine what it's like at this point to have an 18-year-old who's kind of bucking against my system yeah. and wanting to take the reins and just control everything. But I know that that's probably not the best way to go about things. So this is where you come in. This is where you get to share some wisdom all with right. all of us. <laughs> See what um, I can do yeah, I'm sure you're going to do great. <laughs> uh, so this is what I want to discuss with letting go, and that is when is it right or wrong, and this is kind of an open-ended question, but when is it right or wrong to step in and either give guidance or dictate the decisions that need to be made for your kids? It's a great question. Uh, I think you, uh, you know, in, in breaking down adolescence, we have what is referred to as early adolescence, mid-adolescence, and late adolescence. In early adolescence, ages, say, 14... Uh, 13, 14, 15, I think the, the, the father has to make sure that they are thinking properly and they, it, it's a little stronger impulse to, for input and uh, to try to guide the, the thinking as they mature on into mid-adolescence, which is, uh, say, uh, 15, 16 age, 17 maybe, uh, I think you start letting up a little bit 
and letting them try to make some decisions, see how they're going to manage those, <laughs> excuse me, decisions. <clears throat> and then in late adolescence, you, you let go a little more. And so it's a progression of letting go. I don't think you just all of a sudden at, at the age of 13 say, hey, sure, take off. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Dangerous. <clears throat> so, uh, and it's a progressive uh, release uh, over time, uh, hoping that you can help manage the decisions and help them set a template of how to make good choices in sure. life. Yeah. And, and I think that's, uh, that should be the ambition of a dad is to help them think right and act right. Yeah. And, and that it comes with uh, a, a little stronger and early adolescence, a little letting up and letting up as they continue to mature into adulthood. Sure. I think that's really good <clears throat> when you're talking about trying to, in a sense, set the model for how they need to make decisions in life. Um, I've shared this a couple of times in the podcast, did an episode on it, but the idea of fathering like Abraham. So Abraham's called to take Isaac up to a mountain and sacrifice him. And Isaac, at this point, is believed to be about 16 years of age, and he definitely could have outrun his dad. Definitely. You know, he's 116 at this point, so mm -hmm. he could have outrun him. He could have <clears throat> probably overpowered him, gotten away. Mm -hmm. um, but he allows his father to bind him and then lay him on the altar. And he has no problem going against what is supposed to happen because he trusts his dad. Because in my opinion, why would he do something like that? He has no reason to do that, to just lay himself down to be sacrificed because he, he knew what was about to happen. But I believe that he did that because he had seen his father do that so many times with God, where he lived this life of faith. He's the father of the faithful. He's seen his dad, you know, prove God to be good over and over and over again. So when he was presented with the opportunity to prove God, he said, my father trusts him, I will trust, and I'll lay down. And so I, I think they see it from us a lot. And so, yeah, the ambition of trying to prepare kids to make these good decisions, I think, is vital for dads. Um, so with the progression of, you know, pre-adolescence into this post-adolescent state, at what point does it become wrong to dictate the decisions? You know, I don't know uh, exactly where that point is because each child is different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have uh, some children mature quicker than others, and some, some are able to uh, uh, develop uh, a keen sense of right and wrong early on, and some don't. Uh, uh, in studying, for example, the temperament theory, uh, you have you have melancholics, you have phlegmatic, sanguine, uh, choleric uh, temperaments, and each temperament, and which I'm not I'm not trying to sell sell anybody on the temperament theory, but sure. but let's face the fact: each child is different, and knowing that each child is different, you have to manage them in a different way. Yeah, uh, and so <clears throat> as far as an, a set age of when you do that. I'm not sure you can do that. They tell me that the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until we, we're about 25. Yeah. 
And that's the decision-making <laughs> part of the brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh, that's why uh, before then we take all these risks. We'll ride motorcycles and do yeah. crazy things and be adventurous and yep. all this because we're not analytically thinking through. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, and so each child uh, has to be dealt with in a different manner. But I think it's important that we... If we're going to guide a child, uh, and particularly in late adolescence, we have to do it with loving care. Uh, to pressure and force is probably going to create a, re uh, a rebellion. Sure. And so I think you have to do it with loving care. And, and that's e even if you're going to try to uh, uh, be strong in helping them make a decision, uh, my, my wife... My wife helped my son make a couple of decisions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was he 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 thought he knew who he was going to marry, uh -huh. and it wasn't the one that my wife wanted. Uh -oh. And so <laughs> she got strong and strongly involved, but yeah. uh, uh, and and it worked. Yeah. It worked, but but I'm not sure that it works every time. Sure. So I think you have to each each circumstance is different. And each child is different, so yeah. I don't think there's a, a, a an instruction manual that says here's the date and yeah, time to definitely. do this, and hey, this is how to how to do it. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and and that's this is the conversation that I like having, you know, for dads because I don't try and give answers on the podcast. I just try to get dads to think. Because yeah. I'm not in their house. Yeah. I don't have their kids. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you, hey, this is exactly one, two, three, you do this and you're the perfect dad. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You have to you're right. you have to do the homework and you have to look you're at your right. kids and you have to make the decisions. Now, so let's not pin it down to an age. Okay. Let's pin it down to the scenario that I have heard a lot of dads traditionally go to. And okay. that is if they're in my house, it's my rules. So where 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 do we draw the line of dictating decisions and giving guidance and you know letting go even when you have a child let's or let's call it a, a young adult maybe they've graduated high school and they're still in the home they're going to college and they're just taking their time getting out where do we draw the line there do you still have you know authority with decisions in regards to you know your house like hey this is my house I'd like you home by midnight or something like that um or do you still try and step into their world a little bit and dictate things that they get to do since they still reside under your roof? It's a great question. And uh, generally, generally, I answer these questions in saying, you are the father of your home. Yeah. You make the decision. Uh, people ask me, when should I make the curfew? I, my, re my responsibility stops at your front door. And uh, I can't come into your house and dictate to you how to run your family. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I will tell parents who ask me these kind of questions, I'm going to tell them, you're the priest of your home. You ask God to direct you. You set the perimeters and you follow them. Uh, now, as far as me, myself, uh, as long as our children were at our home, uh, we we made some rules for them to live by, mm -hmm. which is standard for any place. Sure. If you go to the dorm at the university, yeah, 
they have some rules. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to have to abide by the rules. Exactly. And so no matter where you live, if you're under the authority of someone, you're going to have to abide by the rules yep. of that authority. And so I think it's uh, it helps form some discipline if you uh, set some rules mm-hmm. while they're still at home and uh, helps them to develop some uh, some consciousness of, hey, this is how I should live when I leave from here. Sure. Uh, you know, we don't we don't cuss. Right. We don't drink. We don't smoke. We don't do all, right. all these things here in this house. Right. And uh, and I, I think that helps set some boundaries sure. for living how we should live after you leave from home. So it's kind of like an indirect way of guiding some decisions. Like when you're here, these are the rules. We'll live this way. Yeah. And I think it gives the you know young adult, the child at that point, an opportunity to see, hey, this kind of works. Yeah. Like this is a better way of living than people who go out, get hammered, and then wake yeah. up and have a, you know, oh, I don't know what I'm doing today. Yeah. You know. With that tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where'd I get that, that tattoo? That wedding band. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of an indirect way of saying, look, I'm still helping you, but you're still in my house and just yeah. having that mutual respect. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this. Obviously, I, I, I think we've kind of put a nail in the coffin on the dictating decisions that in regards to your house at a certain point, you know, respect and honor your house. But there there comes a point where you don't get to dictate their decisions because they're an adult. Right. Okay. And you, you have you have to relinquish that and you have to let go. So let's talk about the guidance factor. How do you properly give guidance to a teenager, to someone who's graduated? What, what's the best way to go about that without overstepping? I like... Personally, I like when when uh, our children pull for information rather than me push information. Okay. Uh, I like for them, I like to whet the appetite for them to want to ask me what to do rather than me tell them what to do at that age. Okay. Uh, my children, whenever they reach their early 20s, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to set the atmosphere so that they would inquire of me what should i do rather than me tell them what to do that's good and and i think that that was probably uh the most uh advantageous uh way of di- uh, guiding their life sure uh if i if if i started stepping in and dictating to them at this point yeah it's only going to cause them to become more distant to me sure and so I want them to stay close, and I want to be able to have input. And so I have to be careful that I don't o- overstep myself and and say, I'm going to run your life. Yeah. Because if I tell them I'm going to run your life, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna show up about once a month at yeah. my house. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're going to go out to eat maybe once a month, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I want to be a part of their life, and I want them to be a part of my life. Right. And so I've got to allow them to become an adult. Right. And that even means that they're going to probably make some decisions that I would not make. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be okay with that. Yeah. Because I did the same thing as a young adult, too. Sure. I made some decisions that were not really good. Right. And, and we all do. Yes. That's the trial and error of, right. of growing up. Right. And uh, uh, whenever my kids got married— uh, I told them 
don't tell me every time you guys get into an argument. Yeah. Uh, if you need, if you need help, go see one of the other pastors. Yeah. Don't it's not tell your marriage. Me. No, yeah. <laughs> Cause you're going to get over it. Yeah. But I'm going to have some bias, uh, uh thoughts and I'm going to want to take up for my child. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. Right. Uh, you know, after the ar- arguments over. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think, I think keeping them close, uh, having loving care for them and not forcefully, uh, dictating to them as an adult, mm-hmm. allow them to make some decisions that may not be the wisest, may not be the best, would probably wouldn't be the decision I would make, but that's part of growing up. Yeah, and I think it, for me it goes back to you do unto others as you want them to do for you. You mentioned we were all young and we all made those dumb decisions yeah. and we all fell in our face and... <clears throat> We wouldn't have we wouldn't have liked it if someone was like you need to do this you need to do that like we we've already in our own youth kind of bucked against that system but now we're trying to do exactly what others did to us that we didn't want you know as as dads well we don't want yeah. them to fail like we failed and we don't want yeah. them to make the same mistakes <clears throat> but sometimes that's good if it happens organically it gives them the opportunity like you said to say hey I fell on my face can you give me some help rather than you know, you told me this, you told me that, because I feel like if you do that, and they don't want to come back to you because they're going to get the impression of they're going to have the "I told you so" conversation. <laughs> and, and so, so in in line with that, what are some of the what are the potential setbacks to a relationship between a father and their kids if they do overstep and keep trying to dictate the decisions? Well, you'll they'll they'll distance from you mm-hmm. and uh, disassociate. Uh, I mean, none of us like discomfort. And what do we do when we are uncomfortable? We move away from it. Yeah, and uh, that's that's what will happen. Yeah, uh, the relationship will get colder and colder. Yeah, and so uh, you know, for the high price we pay for experience, you can't give it away. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so we all have had experience in growing up. And and if we forcefully try to get that experience to our kids over and over, they're going to get cold to us. Uh, they're going to, uh, you know, uh, visit us less. We're going to have uh, 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 less conversation. But what I want to try to do is stay warm with my kids and, and in conversation with them, I want to be able to accept the fact that they are they're in, in the process of gaining the same experiences that I had. Mm-hmm. And some of those experiences help me to make future decisions in a better way. Sure. And so even though we don't like to see them make bad decisions, bad decisions are sometimes a part of the process. Sure. It's what makes us gives us this experience. Right, you've got to fail. Yeah, it's part of trying. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned your kids, uh, you know, walking and trying to crawl up the the stairs. I yeah. mean, the same thing. I'm sure they fail a few times. Oh yeah, and that's part of the process. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. And <laughs> so, from the you know, with the potential setback being the distance and and the tear in the relationship. Now you're on the counseling side of this, the psychology side of this, wouldn't that also have some backlash on the parents when there is a a broken relationship? Wouldn't this cause, you know, potential emotional swings or 
some sort of additional stress with the relationship that would maybe bleed into other areas of their life? Certainly. It certainly does. I mean, uh, the, the, one of the important things, and I'll mention this, one of the most important things for me is I, put, I pray five things every day. First, help me to be a good Christian. Second, help me to be a good father. I mean, a good, a good husband. Mm-hmm. And third, help me to be a good father. Help me to be a good pastor. Help me to be a good preacher. Yeah. And I pray it in the priority. Right. Because those all align. If I can be a good Christian, then I can be a good, good husband. Mm-hmm. If I can be a good husband, I can be a good father. If I can be a good father, I can be a good pastor. And then I can be hopefully a good preacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still working on that it's one. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but and anyway, uh, I think if I, if, I, if I feel distanced from my kids or if I feel that I've, uh, there's, there's a, a strong tension there, it will bleed over into all my other relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the alignment of relationships is so important. And the and the mental and emotional health of an individual, as well as the spiritual health. Sure, we're 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 to align in these relationships. These are God designed relationships, and that is being a good Christian. That's our relationship with God. Being a good husband. That's that's the first institution God created mm-hmm. is the family, and then having our children a part of our family. Yeah, those are those those things right there is the alignment of life. And uh, the healthier those relationships are, the healthier I'm going to be in every area of life. That's awesome. I I think that's important too, because so for the dads who are trying to dictate, maybe overstep a little bit, what you don't realize is you're probably doing more harm to yourself in addition to doing harm to your kid too. And you're you're setting yourself up for some big time failure down the road. Uh, That's good to know. Um, let's talk about this. What are some boundaries uh, that dads need to have set up with their kids? Uh, let's 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 phase this out a little bit. So let's talk about we we've talked a lot about you know graduation. Let's talk beyond that. Let's talk you know your kid moves out. They're on their own. Your kid then gets married, and then your kid then has kids of their own. What are boundaries that dads need to have set up in place so that? They don't maybe overreach or overstep. And you talked about this a little bit with your kids. Hey, if you've got marital problems, don't come to me. Yeah. You go to somebody else. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't need the bias there. Um, but what are some boundaries that we can set up to be better at giving the guidance, having them come to us if they need it in, in those areas of life? Well, I think it's important to uh, allow your children to develop into a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh Rather than us tell them how to parent, let them learn how to parent. Yeah. Truth is, we still don't really know what we're doing. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, parenting is has been one of my biggest challenges. Mm-hmm. It really has. Because both of my kids were different. Uh, and I had to talk to them differently. I had to discipline them differently. Uh, it, they both received information differently. And they both distributed information differently, sure. uh, and so it was it, it was a challenge to me. And I think the the boundary after they grew into adult uh, was allow them to be them, mm-hmm. allow them to be who they are. Uh, don't try to make them me. Sure. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that parents 
can get caught in the trap of, and that is we want our kids to be us. Yeah. And they're not going to be us. Sure. Uh, let my children be who they are. Sure. I know there's a lot of dads who struggle with this. Well, you know, I, I almost went pro. So now my kid, they're going to play football. They're going to oh, yeah. they're, they're do what I never could. I'm going to relive my childhood through them in a sense. Yeah. It happens. And, and, and uh, to vicariously live your life through your children is a disservice to your children. Sure. And I see that a lot where uh, a mom or a dad will take their child and say, you know, I never got the opportunity to do this, but you're going to do it. Yeah. And, and it's just not fair. Uh I think uh, I think so. You set that boundary and let them become who they are. Uh, don't try to impose your own preferences upon them or your own uh, future idealistic thoughts and plans on your children. I think that's very important uh, because what you will you will make you'll make a person that's not happy, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll. they'll uh, there's all kinds of other traps out there that they potentially could fall into sure. uh, if if they are not allowed to be themselves. So let's say you allow them to be themselves, and for a season you disagree with who they become. Do you – now, I think – I know how I, I would answer this question, but, you know, yeah. you're smarter than me, so I want your approach on this. So <clears> – <throat> You know, someone grows up and they make decisions that you don't think are right. So whenever you happen to be with them, should you, you know, keep poking and prodding and kind of nagging in a sense of, hey, what about this? Hey, what, what, are you still doing that? And if you don't do that, then what's the right thing to do? Well, I think you're going to have a hard time not having some kind of influence. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of a parent. The nature of a parent is to influence our children all of their life in some way, yeah, you know? Uh, and so that's part of being a leader. Uh, we're building people that's going to take our place yeah. and, uh, and we want them to be as best as they can. And so the natural proclivity to have input is going to be there and to govern that is going to take some discipline. Uh, and, and that's where, Wisdom comes in. Sure. When do you say something and when do you not? Yeah. Look for an open door. Uh, look for a window to, to open a little bit and then slide in. Yeah. Uh, but don't knock the door down yeah. and go in. And I think that's the key. Yeah. If you're in conversation uh, with, your, with your child and, uh, and the door opens up where you can have some positive influence and maybe set the course a little bit, do it. But don't come into the to the dinner table or to the to the lunch meeting, whatever, and say, "I've got some things to tell you." Mm-hmm. That's knocking the door down. Yeah. But if they say, "Dad, what do you think?" I've got an open door. Yeah. And I'm going to caringly talk to them. Uh, condescending conversation and adulthood is not effective. You have. to. You have to give them respect, mm-hmm. and you have to recognize they are now an adult. Let's respect the fact they're an adult making their own living, living their own life, and so let's talk to them respectfully. And I think that's one of the keys. Look for the open door. When the door opens, 
talk to them respectfully. Yeah. I think that's the key. So even if they're doing wrong, you still love and respect them as an individual because one, you're their dad, so you always need to love them. Yeah. And they're an adult. I mean, I, I talked about this a little bit in the dad's group because last week we talked about parenting with your wife. And a lot of times I think when we're in that closed door scenario where we're in the privacy of our home and no one else can see what we're doing or hear what we're talking about, I think we have a tendency to speak and act in ways that we wouldn't in publicly. You know, yeah. I'm going to talk to you a particular way out in public. I'm going to talk to my boss a particular way out in public. But when I'm home, I can say things that I wouldn't normally say. You know, you, you have that opportunity. And I think sometimes we take advantage of that and we speak to the ones that mean the most to us in ways that we shouldn't. And um, I think I think that's I think that's good and important that, you know, one, you respect them as the adult. You love them even though they're doing things you shouldn't do. Um, and you wait for the opportunity. Yeah. You know, because I've seen I've seen examples where, and I've talked to people who are in the situation where they're just being poked and prodded all the time, and they're just like, does no one care about what I'm actually doing in life? Like, yeah. I I know I'm not doing what they want me to do, but I'm not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't want to see any of the good, and there's a challenge there. I think. I think I think you're right. I think a uh, all good conversation starts with what we agree on. Yeah. Yeah, that's what do we agree on and then we move on. We can we can potentially move on to some things that we can discuss and have dialogue sure. that we may not agree on. Sure. But uh one of the most effective ways that I've had in dealing with people who don't think like I think or believe like I believe is finding some common ground. Mm -hmm. Something that I agree on and then once we talk about the things we agree on then we can move on to some dialogue of what we don't agree on. And I think that's the great technique for parenting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know as, especially as dads, but as individuals, we don't like to be wrong. Oh. And we don't like people to tell us that we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. And and so that condescending conversation can, can be, you know, a really bad, a really bad start. All right. So let's, let's wrap up with this for dads that are, that are dealing with this or, even like myself, who are potentially going to deal with this later on in fatherhood. What advice, what personal advice would you have in addition to what we've discussed, or what resources would you recommend, uh, books, podcasts, whatever that might be helpful with this topic of letting go? Well, you know, I think, I think uh, developing uh, the right philosophy in life uh, is, is the most helpful thing rather than creating a, a set of, of, of do's and don'ts uh, because uh, the correct philosophy in life uh, will give you uh, the ability to adapt to any circumstance, any way. And that philosophy, and as well as you know well that I have, is the, the God gravity. Mm -hmm. And that is... Uh, serving God with an open hand and trusting that God's going to give to me everything that I have need of and he's going to move everything that I don't need away from me. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to release anything and everything in, in, at any time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that philosophy is probably the most liberating philosophy. And I'll share this story. You've heard it many times. But in 1986... My wife and I were pioneering a church in Canyon City, Colorado. 
And I was called to the bedside of one of the dear ladies that we had won to the Lord. Her name was Gloria Beckham. I was sitting there beside her bed. Hospice was there. Her family was gathered around. And she was dying of cancer. And she was fighting for air. Her fists were tight. And she was trying to breathe. And all of a sudden, she breathed her last breath. And instead of her hands just relaxing, they palmed out all the way. And the scripture came to me, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But then I realized God was talking to me about something even bigger and deeper. I went to the little building that we had after we finished up with the family. And I knelt down and started praying. And God started talking to me about serving him with an open hand. And he said, I've put some things in your hand. But everything I've put in your hand, you're holding it so tight-fisted that I can't put anything else there. He said, if you'll open your hand, he said, I'm going to take some things, but I'm going to put more than I take. Mm. And from that point on, I tried to serve God with an open hand yeah. and trusting the God gravity that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added. I've got to trust God with my children. Yeah. I've got to serve God with an open hand. I can't control everything they do. I can't manage every thought they have. I can't dictate to them everything that I want them to do. I've got at some point, I've got to open my hand and say, God, they're your children. They were yours before they were mine. Yeah. And I'm going to serve you with an open hand. Mm -hmm. And that open hand philosophy and God gravity has been liberating as a, as a husband and as a father and as a pastor. Yeah. And so that would be my advice. That's that's, that's pretty good advice. <laughs> Set the philosophy correct. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I think having that right philosophy goes into everything that we do as a dad because we're going to approach it a particular way, but we're actually going to take the time to think about our situation from that lens and perspective. And I, I think that is liberating. Just it is very of, liberating. Yeah. yeah. To, to realize first and foremost that... God is going to be involved in my my children's life more than I am, and uh, that God is not holding me responsible for everything that my children do that that my children will do. But to release them into the hands of God is such a liberating thing. So many parents today feel like failures because their children didn't do everything they thought they should do. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember, they were gods before they were ours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a real, that's, I wouldn't even have thought that. I mean, that, that is a fantastic revelation that, hey, they're, they're his. <laughs> He's the father of us all. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a liberating thought. Yeah, that is a game changer. Well, Pastor Hargrove, Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being with me. My uh, pleasure. I, what you've shared has been insightful and some real wisdom. I think it's going to be helpful to dads who are in the situation where, let me say that they're in the heat of the battle with the tension between their kids really becoming autonomous and independent. I think it's going to be helpful to dads like me too, where I've got young kids, but I've got some good stuff to start working on, to start thinking on where I can prepare myself for those difficult days that are down the road. Thank you again for being with me. If you're interested 
and hearing some of the preaching of this man over here, Pastor D.G. Hargrove. He pastors the church North Cities in Garland, Texas. If you're in the area, 502 Beltline Road, you can come check it out, or you can stream the services on Facebook. Just look for North Cities on Facebook, and you can stream everything there. Sundays, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and you can watch the live stream. And I think northcities.org, you also archive yes. stuff on the website. So you can yes. check it out there, northcities.org. Check yeah. that out. Um, you'll be blessed, I promise you. This is Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you for being with me today, and I hope you'll join me next time.